Hello, my name is Jack and this is my podcast. A podcast all about working in TV. Hello, how you doing? Hope everyone is all good. So today we have a guest. Um, I won't go on too much about him because it's quite a long interview. We actually spoke for about two hours and yeah, pretty much all of it made it in. So uh, yeah, my guest is Richard Drew, uh, production designer. Um, we've never met before. We've kind of we've worked with all, a lot of the same people and stuff but we've never actually met so it's really interesting to meet him and uh, talk to him so uh, here we go okay so here we go so today's guest is a production designer Known for his work on Afterlife, Intelligence, this time with Alan Partridge, Sick Note, Staff Let's Flats, Man Down, The Inbetweeners, Bow Selector, and quite literally many more. My guest today is Richard Drew. How are you, Richard? I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad. I'm all right. Good. Good. Unemployed, but I'm all right. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally thousands of us just yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. around. Yeah, thousands things. of us painting things and doing podcasts. That's pretty much it. I've turned into the um, typical generic white man starting a podcast because he's bored. Um, that is literally how I feel. Anyway, yeah. should we let's jump straight into it? So first question for you. Yeah. And you said it was the hardest one. Yeah. What is a production designer and what do they do? Right. Well, I, um, yeah, it's a very hard question. So I had a, I had a quick Google and I found a quote by Ken Adam, who um, obviously we all aspire to be. Uh, some of us get a bit closer than others. And he, Ken Adam said, cinema is there to heighten imagination. I've always tried to make sure it does so. And uh, I think that's a, a beautiful, very simple quote about what it is to be a production designer. I sort of also made a little note to myself that you know, I'm the one that makes the magic happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm the sort of cog, the central cog to it all. Um, I definitely think a, a production designer is a kind of conduit to a load of other, you know, people, director, lighting, you know, DOP, producers, actors. We're kind of the, the conduit that kind of makes it happen. We're kind of the problem solver, you know. And uh, what else have I written down? We're also somebody who has to compromise. We're somebody who's very much a team player. Um, we're also somebody who's quite driven. If we if we've got an idea and we're actually we actually want to pursue it, I think we need a little. We there's an element of having some balls to be a production designer to sort of pursue that. But yeah, I think we kind of. Uh, this is such. See, this, see what I mean. This is an impossible question to ask, answer. But I, but I think it's kind of yeah. You're you're kind of put in a vision of what you think it should be on the screen it's kind of like ken adam said it's that kind of just creating the world and whether that vision has come from a director and all you're doing is you know trying to go like for like or you've got a very strong idea and a director goes yeah let's go down that route whether that's colors or shapes or however you want to do it um yeah it's something and everything really it's a kind of mm. 
yeah, problem solving, team player, um, dream maker. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just sort of inflated your, yourself. Yeah. In the <laughs> genius. Genius. Yeah, we are. We are all of us are geniuses. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, but looking at it like from people who are outside the industry and who, who don't know, maybe someone yeah. who's trying to come in, what yeah. would you call, that's sort of like the philosophical kind yeah. of side of yeah, what yeah. it is to be a designer, but what would you say was practically the job of, you know, the, the day-to-day yeah. kind of, I'm, day-to-day is a difficult thing because th- there's no one day. No the same. two days are the same. But Yeah, but exactly. In, yeah, but in essence, I mean, funny enough, years ago when I used to tell people I designed television sets, they literally thought I meant the set that sits in the corner of the room on a stand or on a wall. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's kind of um, taking a script, reading a script, rereading a script, making notes, breaking a script down, breaking a script down with the sets that are required, whether they're locations or whether they're studio builds, the big set pieces from an action point of view, whether you've got stunts or you've got somebody, you know, whether it's a car stunt or somebody simply, you know, getting smashed over the head with a bottle, um, guns, food. It's Everything and everything. It's everything that you see on that screen. A production designer, if they're doing their job properly, has had some involvement with. It is also about delegation as well. I'm very fortunate with uh, the art directors that I've worked with and standby art directors that I work with. And I'm definitely at a stage in my career where I think I kind of know those people and I'm prepared to, you know, give over some of that responsibility. So working very closely with an art director and standby art directors, they're breaking scripts down for graphic prop lists and the action props. And it's sort of thing that I will, you know, I will look at, but I let them get on with it because generally as a production designer, you're problem solving. You're always ahead. There is generally a, the shoot that's going on. And then the production designer and prop master and set decorator and the dressing props are normally ahead. We're normally working a week or two ahead, getting the next lot of stuff ready. So you can't always be bogged down with, you know, what's going on in the here and now, unless there's a major crisis. You have to hand that responsibility over to your support team, which is your standby props and your standby art director and your art director who's kind of holding the fort for you. So, yeah, it's once being one step ahead is is actually a, as a department, as a, a production designer, it is something that we are very, very good at. There's a lot, a lot of people on the shoot, and this, this is not a criticism, but a lot of people on the shoot are very much in the here and now, and they go by the schedule, and they're on the the daily basis of what that schedule is presenting. Whereas, you know, production designer, first AD, costume and makeup, probably we're always ahead we're already down the line we're already on week three when you're on shooting on week one because it's it's also juggling props going in and out and sets to be dressed things to be ready things to be struck you know what it's like yeah so it's kind of like the opposite the absolute opposite to what an actor does like they're so in the moment yes with filming you guys are kind of well you guys are kind of ahead thinking about yeah. all this other stuff yeah. yeah and and you know foresee you know problems and like working very closely with location managers as well and you know we've seen a location on a recce I, this happened on afterlife we, we we went back to shoot at um the second series back at where the, the um dad's care home and the psychiatrist no. office were done 
at a location. We went on the recce for series two. The, the whole location had been vandalized and ruined. And this is now we think well, we're going to be able to shoot here. We um and ahed, and then basically the, the general consensus was, no, we have to do this as a build. And suddenly you're faced with, we've now got to yeah. build a set in two weeks and get it ready. Yeah, and so that's so time, you're, money. Yeah. yeah, that's time. But that's because we were able we were thinking ahead we could have you know turned up on the you know a week down the line and it been even yeah. a bigger problem so yeah you're always trying to be i think as a production designer on top of everything else you're trying to be one step ahead of of what's coming and kind of solving problems before before everybody else gets there basically okay yeah yeah and so do you do you typically have crew who you work with a lot or do you kind of keep most people and some people inevitably busy booked on stuff or do you try your best to keep everyone i try my best to keep everyone i think i would hope i like i'd like to think that people think i'm quite loyal um so there are definitely a you know there's a core two or three art directors that i've used um one certainly more than others but um you know there's two or three very good people that i've used two or three very good set decorators again one or the other there's no you know um a very good prop master that i use and i've got other people i've used in the past so yeah i try to i think i, I mean it's always good to introduce somebody new 100 percent um and uh you know there's there's a couple of things coming up for me and i know that those you know fingers crossed um and I know that a couple of the people aren't going to be available, so I'm going to have to look for new yeah. people. So sometimes your hand is forced and it works out really well. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I try to. I think, and actually, oddly, certainly in the light of everything that's going on in the world right now, I think if you have people you're familiar with, you know how they work, they know how you work, there is a shorthand that comes with that. And it does make, it will make life easier. It will make life yeah. easier. You know, you kind of come as a as a team. Um, going back to do a second series, as I said, if you can try and get two or three people that were on series one, if you're doing a second series, it's got to make life easier. Because, you know, I've got thousands of photographs of sets, but there'll always be that thing where somebody goes, oh, yeah, I remember we did that because we did this. And, oh, right, that, you know, and that, yeah. you you can't buy that. Um, no, yeah, because it's, it's, yeah, it's experience of, it basically means you can just have a shortcut because you know, oh yeah, we did it this way before. Let's do it that way again. But that, yeah. like that, on a grander scale, with within a job, second series, first series, but also within like starting something new, I suppose, with someone you've worked with before, you don't have that getting to know you phase. No, where you absolutely. Have to sort of be careful I mean, around the, you know. Yeah. I am quite. I, I mean, I have got people in. I had a couple of people on intelligence last year who were students, and one of those. Yeah. One of those, as sort of art department assistants, and one of those students ended up doing uh, an art director job for me on a little light entertainment show about four months down the line because I, he just got it. He, he, he yeah. as soon as he, as soon as I met him, I thought you just understand this, and I felt confident enough to give him a little job, and you know, and he did it, and I, I heard back from the director that the director basically said to me, "You'd have no idea he'd never done it before. It was, oh, wow. you know, so." It does work. And many years ago, I used to do, um, probably before you were born, Jack, I used to do a thing called the 11 o'clock show back in uh, back in the um, late 90s, early noughties. And we used to get... Oh, our I'm car- not that young. <laughs> uh, we used to get... <laughs> I'm useless at people's ages. Um, we used to get um, 
art department people in for a week to help yeah. us because it was a weekly uh, topical comedy show. Um, so I think we got through at that stage. I was, you know, through a course of a series, you're getting through 15 or 20 different people. Each came and did a week. Some people came back and did a second week. Now, yeah. a couple of those are now designers. One of them, Charlotte Pearson, who was my little art department assistant, is now designing low-budget features. Yeah. Um, and I'm quite proud of that in a very, you know, in an old kind of way. She's also pitching against me for other jobs, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, all power to her. And um, so I'm, you know, I'm all for trying somebody new. Um, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, you, th there's definitely a pool of people I tend to use. And then occasionally somebody will slip up, up on the rail and, uh, and yeah. jump in, you know. Yeah, it must be quite useful to have like a list of names every time you do a job you you know you can start with them people and if they're not available obviously you know branch out for others yeah but you you mentioned something there about working you you tend to you work in both drama and entertainment and for me that that, that feels quite rare from the designers that i've worked with in the past they people seem to be i don't really know why but people seem to be in my experience either entertainment film or tv how come you've managed to sort of jump and also because you you kind of you you keep jumping from one to the other so it's not like you started there and you finished there how did yeah. that how did it end up happening well i tell you i tell you what it is because I, I i mean i'm definitely in this stage of my career where i'm doing a lot of comedy scripted comedy want to do drama that's where i am and that's i have to say it's sort of given me a sort of a an invigorated uh you know lease of life with the industry yeah. um but i went to film school I did all of that stuff when I was a lot younger and I started at BBC and I did sitcom I did a did a drama you know did some drama and then I got into doing light entertainment because basically I when I finished doing my three or four years at the BBC on rolling contracts uh, I mean god I did an episode of Minder I mean I did oh, wow. I, I did a I did a thing um which has been banned on the BBC called Ghost Watch, which is the most complained show oh, wow. ever broadcast on British TV. If you look it up, yeah. uh, there is so much stuff about it. It's got cult status. You know, why was it? A, why was it banned? Um, because it scared the living crap out of people. It, it it went out on a New Year's in nineteen nine a New Year's sorry a, um, a Halloween night. Yeah, either ninety two or ninety three. It went out. And it was broadcast as live, although it was a pre-recorded drama. And in the broadcast as live, things happened to the presenters and oh. it all went a bit pear-shaped on camera. And people thought it was real. And was so was Sarah, one, Sarah Green. There was one with, yeah, there was one with a nuclear fallout. Was it that one? Or was that no, it wasn't. I'm not that old. No, no. This is, this is, this <laughs> was, just this reminded was, me of something. Yeah. It's the, well, it was, it, War of the Worlds was a, was the thing that, okay. um, uh, that was done, uh, with, uh, Orson Welles did it on the radio in the 50s yeah. with America. So this thing happened in, yeah, early 90s. And uh, okay. yeah, it just had record complaints because everybody thought it was real and people were really being spooked and killed. They, Sarah Green, the TV presenter, ends up getting sucked in to, by this ghost into a, into a room in the house, never to be seen again. <laughs> wow. Everybody thought Sarah Green really had been sucked in because it was done as a live OB. So everybody yeah. thought it was real. Anyway, so I'd done all that. And then I sort of found myself just doing a lot of entertainment and shiny floor shows yeah I kind of by accident really and I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it it was great and I had a really good run at it but it just 
I guess it got a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, the pitching process is a bit more um, vicious is probably too strong a word, but it's definitely ruthless. That's the better word. Okay. It's definitely more ruthless. Uh, and you give away a lot of ideas and you, you know, you don't get paid for pitching and all of that. Um, and I, I, I kind of early 2011, 2012, I had a bit of a brick wall. I mean, in, in just in terms of where I wanted to be and where I was, I was also having, without going into too much detail, having some uh, problems personally. And, yeah. and I, and I kind of made a conscious decision that I needed to change direction. I got very, very lucky with um, the pilot for Man Down in terms of, you know, being offered it and then, you know, just right place at the right time, working with the right director. And it and it, it just sent me on a slightly different trajectory, really. Yeah. A trajectory that I now prefer and wish I'd done a bit sooner, really. I, I, I mean, I dipped my toes in because, as you said at the beginning, I did the in-betweeners. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, that's 2008, 2009. But at the same time, I was doing Friday Night with Jonathan Ross. Yeah. I've been doing, I've done, you know, five comic reliefs, four sport reliefs. So I've done some big entertainment shows. Um, but it was just sort of, yeah, I, it wasn't I, whether fulfilled, maybe I wasn't quite fulfilled. I think it was a bit more sporadic. I think it was a bit more, you you know chasing around for scraps there was no denying there's two or three other designers who were sort of contemporaries of mine yeah. that were probably better than me okay. um one or two of them definitely i think are and you know uh, and were just getting more work than i was and so i just sort of had a bit of a big old reset really and and it, it is kind of working out all right and i feel yeah. like i i mean i'm 33 years into the business and I feel like I've just started again, which is a great place to be. Uh, Obviously COVID has put us all on a hiatus, but I just feel, I just feel like, you know, I I've got, I've got an energy that I had maybe in my twenties and I'm now, you know, in my late twenties and I'm now in my fifties and I've still got the same energy. Um, And actually I think probably my best work has happened in the last, 10 years i think i think i mean there are odd exceptions but i think my my quality of what i've done and you know the 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 breadth of it because you're absolutely right but bizarrely i've i ended up doing a couple of comet reliefs in that time and it's almost like because i wasn't in the circle of entertainment i wasn't necessarily on the radar i wasn't looking for it i wasn't bothered and and funnily enough things kind of dropped in to place you know that tends to be the way because i wasn't trying because i wasn't when you're not trying when you're not trying you get it but when you when you're sort of on that track and you're sort of banging almost banging your head against the wall with it because like you said there's a couple of two or three people you're competing with on everything and it all becomes a little vicious not vicious but you know competitive competitive. yeah yeah and there's so many from my experience i've not been in tv that long but from my experience i see so many people who have have just stuck at that one thing Mm. and have kept with that even you know to their own to the detriment of their mental health and you know their lives because because the scarcity thing that it may all go away and if yeah. you stop and you step out for a second there's someone else who willing to jump in and do it cheaper faster better yeah. than you yeah 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 it were. so yeah. that's that's really something to respect for someone who does something and has a great career at it and then suddenly goes okay 
just one sec, hold on. Let's see, is this what I want to do? Is there anything else? And then you've, I mean, you've been well, doing... Partridge was part, bizarrely, yeah. the, the Partridge set was almost the kind of apex of that. Because I mean, if anyone's going to do that set, it's you, really. Yeah, it? it was because it was almost a dream gig because it, it was the world I... I know and kind of have inhabited. I'm not going to say had, because I think, you know, there's a case. I have actually had a couple of inquiries during lockdown about things, um, just small things, but they're entertainment as opposed to scripted. Um, But it was, it was just that kind of perfect mash for me. It was the thing that I'm in love with and the thing that I used to do more of. And it was perfect. And, and it, I I hope it just looks like one of those shows, and it and it looked like one of those shows because I basically stole from <laughs> every other yeah. uh, show of that genre. I mean, it, very briefly in Partridge, there's the Jonathan Ross, uh, there's there's references to Jonathan Ross, Graham Norton, Ellen, uh, All right. Loose Women, the One Show, which is the big one, Channel yeah. Four, Channel Four News. Um, it's a real mashup of all of those shows. And I think that's why maybe when people watch it, it the people just accept it because it, it just feels very familiar. Um, but yeah. it was, a, it was a, it was a kind of taking all those bits from all those shows and, and, and creating hopefully, you know, this time, you know, was it, um, was it just coincidence that you got that job or did they come to you because they knew that you had done that stuff in the past? So you were kind of the guy. Um, well, I that's Baby Cow, and I've done so. Judith uh, Bantock, who is head of production at Baby Cow, yeah, um, I knew at the BBC, funnily enough, from doing Comet Relief. So oh, she's okay. she's you know we we all have them, Jack. There are people in the industry who are either your champion or you know you there are people you just get on with and yeah. will always remember you. And Judith's just one of those people that has always remembered me and and um, was keen to get me to do some stuff at Baby Cow. Um, and the opportunity came by and, uh, in fact, it was going to be, um, Dennis DeGroote, who was the designer of Knowing Me, Knowing You, who was the designer that I worked under as an art director. So there was, there was three or four designers I worked for, but the main two, I guess, were Dennis DeGroote and James Dillon, who I learned heaps from absolute heaps and they're both yeah. legend legends in the business as far as i am concerned um dave ferris was another one who i did a lot of work with who i absolutely adored working for and helen scott so but dennis and james were the two that i worked with the most and dennis used to do all of um uh the alan partridge stuff originally and when alan ended up at the travel tavern that was one of his sets as well which i remember seeing in the studio at the bbc and just been blown away with it's a great um really good and then i think den was offered it and then you know he was on another job or there was a clash or whatever and so there was a a gap there was an opportunity and judith contacted me i went in for a meeting had a meeting with the boys and i remember judith saying to me she said you know we know you're not going to do over dennis because you're kind of a friend of the family and it's true so you know i'd learned a lot from den the utmost respect for him I, I, you know, I feel very privileged to take that character forward. Dave, uh, scene change, who built the set, built the knowing me, knowing you set, and oh, okay. you know, and the and the uh, travel tavern set. So there was a continuity there. Yeah, and, exactly. And it felt it felt like you know, without wishing to sound too romantic about it, it just felt like a baton had been passed, and now I'm 
the custodian of, you know, of Partridge, but I'm part of that family. I'm part of the lineage because of, because of Dennis. So it feels rather lovely, actually. Oh, I bet. I mean, Partridge is quite a big thing to be a custodian of, especially, you know, if you're into TV comedy, that's for me, that's like, that's it. That's as high as it gets for me. Oh, blimey. Okay. No, I'm, I'm chuffed a bit. I am absolutely chuffed to bits with it. I'm so thrilled. And it was, you know, there's, there's rumors of, you know, another one happening maybe. And baby cow were doing witch finder when lockdown started. That was the thing that I was working with them at the time of um, lockdown. So it's, you know, it's opened a door for me with them and um, you know, long may that continue. Yeah. So my next question was, what were you working on when (laughs) lockdown came in? And you've funny enough, uh, funny you should ask that Jack. Um, Yeah, so I was doing it. We were doing a period comedy, which I mean, it yeah. is gutting. It is absolutely gutting. And obviously, the wider picture, we understand why everything's shut down. And, you know, yeah, we want everybody to be well. And, you know, I understand. But we were doing a period comedy called um, The Witch Finder. And uh, it was a six parter written by the two boys that wrote Partridge, uh, Neil and Rob. And uh, it's set in 1640. 1640 something and it's the witch finder general so it's all about um a witch going to trial i see um a witch being accused of being a witch so a a would-be witch being accused of being a witch and going to trial so uh, daisy may cooper playing the witch and tim key playing the witch finder so um which was amazing and he's just yeah. uh, they're both utterly charming and it's a cliche to say that but they are they're just delightful the pair of them um we'd done all the recce's i'd been on board since just after christmas yeah. we'd found all the locations everything was in place everything was booked we were six weeks into production all the, the literally the tech recce day one of filming it stopped so we dressed our first location which was over in um uh dorney dorney court yeah. uh which is a tudor tudor house and we turned that so that's brilliant we you know stripped it out put our own furniture back in there made the tudor house work for us for three different locations as you do um because we ended up being there well we were going to be there a week um we got it all ready and it was monday it was that monday lunchtime and we were told that we were finishing the days and filming and that was it so you filmed one day and then one day is in the can came in. and those rushes oh are bloody God. awesome. Really? <laughs> yeah. It looks, <laughs> it looks really good. And, you know, I obviously I can't say anymore because at some point this will happen again. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, although the, I can't say too much about the story, but um, there were, you know, there's a court scene and there's a, there's lots of journey scenes. There was a yeah. whole village that we were going to address like a proper, uh, you know, re covering the floor with uh, gravel and you know, turning a whole town square into a you know, 1640s and all the rest of it. It was a it was a dream gig, it was a dream gig and done on a BBC Two budget, so not a massive, wow. yeah, massive budget. But we had we'd worked out how we were going to do it, we were going to be very smart and cute, and yeah, and we had horses and carts and people firing muskets and. Oh, wow. You know, it was a it was a big deal, and I'm gutted, absolutely yeah. gutted. But you know, nothing we can do about it. Um, do you think it's going to? Uh, 
I imagine it will, but do you think you'll be involved in it again when it kicks off? If um, kicks off I, have, I have no reason to doubt it. I mean, uh, I one would hope so. Um, yeah. They, I mean, to get another designer on board, they could do, yeah. of course, but it would mean starting again. Whereas we basically yeah. all the props were hired and all the locations are kind of in place. And I think, you know, assuming it happens at some point next year, it's not going to happen this year. Uh, no. assuming it's remounted in theory, the same locations will be booked again. And with that, then the same props will be booked. I mean, we kind of went, we got a lot of it from Keeley hire, one of the higher companies in, uh, in, in town. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of kept an open book with it that, you know, when we go back, we just rebook the same stuff barring a, barring a rewrite or whatever, you know, unless yeah, there's yeah, yeah. something, Drastic. I suppose that's one thing you can kind of rely on is that there won't be a hundred other shows <laughs> wanting that because they're probably. Do you think? Do you think though? Do you think there'll probably be less TV when it does come back? Do you think there'll be less productions or? I think people are. I. I mean, from what I'm gathering, I think we are desperate for content. I think. Yeah. A, I think there is only um, so many TV shows aping Zoom that you can watch. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, so I, from what I'm hearing on the grapevine, there's some entertainment beginning to start. They were shooting. Um, I only know this because I follow somebody on Instagram and is there. So, uh, catchphrase has been they've been shooting over at Maidstone Studios. I've worked uh, at Maidstone. Yeah, so that's that's kind yeah. of that's kind of up and running. So Maidstone are all, you know, COVID oh, up. Cool. It's just a single. It's a single. Uh, it's stage a single. Studio. Yeah, a single yeah. stage. But they've got the big old, um, big old warehouse space at the back where they do. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, you're right. They've got two. They've got yeah. the Jules Holland stage, the big one, and then they've yeah. got Studio Two where they did all the art tech stuff. I think that's it. That's it. So yeah. that's. Worked, I, I grew up in Medway, so I've worked. Oh, in, well, there you go. Well, you know it very, I very well. Started out. Started out in Maidstone. Oh, well, I I went for an interview there years ago when it was TVS. So yeah, when Motormouth used to be on at TVS. Oh, right. so that's a very long time ago. So um, that's happening. I think Strictly is going to happen entertainment-wise. Yeah. I had a call from um, uh, a thing called uh, Comedians Give Lectures, which is a thing I did last year. Yeah. yeah, 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 a little tiny set. So they're trying – they're toying with the idea of doing it as a drive-in. Now – it may or may not happen, um, that's interesting. but um, you know that's conversations are happening. I've had a meeting, I've had a Zoom meeting this morning about something that's looking promising, and uh, you know things, are, and that's a scripted thing. So things are beginning to, you know, nature is healing. We are beginning to, you know, kind of come back. One hopes. I, yeah. I, I think in the short term, I think comedy might be a safe place to be at the moment just because i think well only because i think you know less there's risk. less risk generally a shorter shooting yeah true period you know uh even afterlife you know six episodes six weeks seven weeks yeah that's intelligent intelligence six episodes six weeks that's what we you did know, on the driver as well yeah yeah but we we connect basically yeah so i think that's going to be where scripted comedy will come to the fore and also people need to laugh i think i mean you know it's yeah. been it has been tough i mean i hope drama kicks on because one day that's where i want to you know i you know i would like to dip my toes in and try i've you know i've done a period drama and i've 
you know, I've been on the edges of it. I think afterlife changing the subject very slightly is probably the closest yeah. I've come to, you know, straight drama because it's 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 a very black comedy. Um, but I, I I think that will happen. But I think in the short term, it, it it's it's likely to be the comedy shows that gets up and running because it's yeah. a faster turnaround. Um, yeah, I think I think you're probably right. You, you, I suppose you, you might have already answered this because you um, you talked a lot about the Alan Partridge set, but what do you think was your favourite set? Maybe not your favourite outcome, but maybe like the favourite set for the process of designing it. Um, well, oddly, um, I do think Intelligence, which I I, I, I know I'm refer- even though I've got 33 years behind me, I'm referring to yeah. jobs in the last couple of years, but um, I did say the most creative, you know, most enjoyable recently, I think. But um, I would say that Intelligence was great because we did we built that whole i don't know if anybody listening to this has seen it but it's a gchq 360 set bells and whistles full ceilings computer screens spooks meets csi whatever it's just got everything it's got glass walls you know raised mezzanines led lights coming out of its backside uh it's 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 everything and that set we we didn't really know um, how it was going to be, we thought we might get a recce to GCHQ in Cheltenham, uh, and then that was sort of firmly, we were firmly told no. Um, so it's an invented interior based on a couple of photographs that are there online. But I just, it was a free reign for me. We kind of went in, we had to, obviously the script requires X rooms because it's scripted as so-and-so's office and so-and-so's office. But beyond that, yeah. Um, it really was up to me to create that geography, working very closely with Matt, the director, uh, Matt Lipsy, who I've done a lot of work with, who I really respect. I think he's a phenomenally good um, director. Um, and in terms of reference points, there's uh, there's a film. Oh, it's escaped me now. It's a Robert Redford film with Brad Pitt, and it's early noughties, and I referenced oh. the hell out of that. And it's a Tony I know what Scott, you're talking about. It's a Tony Scott yeah. film. So I used a lot of that. I the the last Jack Ryan the Jack Ryan series that Amazon was showing had some okay. uh, CIA building stuff in there. So there's definitely some references in there for that. Um, and I was very keen to use um, a lot of LED lighting. It's not something. It, it, oddly, it's it's my light entertainment background really because yeah uh, that. It's still a bit of a dark art, all of that, with with filming to use LED. It's getting better, yeah. But it is a little bit of a dark art, um. And you want a DOP who wants to embrace it, and Sarah, our DOP on that, completely embraced the use of it. And so all of our lighting, including architectural lighting that I provided and sky panels that were rigged above the ceiling, I basically cut holes in the ceiling, frosted gel, and then the sky panels were rigged above. Uh-huh. Everything on the set from um, angle poise lamps to lights on the stairs, everything was patched into an iPad effect- effectively. Yeah, it, so it was all controlled from an iPad. So you could highlight certain areas, drop yeah. areas into shade. It was such an integral thing. And it was such a kind of perfect symmetry of lighting and design mm-hmm. and direction we had some two huge circular led um hoops on the ceiling which are obviously a homage to um 
uh, Kubrick's uh, Doctor Strangelove and The War Room. And they were placed in exactly the right. Everything was just exactly where it could be. I was able to get real glass on our glass offices, not perspex. So I got these amazing reflections coming on. It was a joy. It was just a dream. And it was, I, you know, and it was one of those sets where you just walk in and you go, do you know what? I don't think I could have done much better than that. I think that's, yeah. for telly, that's going to, that's good. That's as good yeah. as it's going to get. And I was really, really pleased with it. So in it, just to answer your question, that, and I would also say with my light entertainment hat on, I'm, I'm making yeah. hand gestures and this is a podcast, so you can't see those. <laughs> I can see um, them. Yeah, you can see them. But, um, the Comet Relief set that I did at the London Palladium in 2015, um, okay. because it was, I'd done four Comet Reliefs up until then. So this was the last one, as it turned out, I, I ever did. Uh, I, I'm likely to do, if, I, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. Not for any other reason other than I've just, you know, I've just run, it, run its course. I've done it, um, but with, we put it on at the, the. It was the show was coming from the London Palladium. Now I had done a show there, mid nineties, a Frank Skinner stand up video from the Palladium. Nice. Yeah, but um, which was you know, if I'd done that, that would have been enough because I put a set on the stage of the London Palladium. But yeah, to, I mean that's pretty good in itself, yeah, isn't but it? But to yeah. get to do what I did at the London Palladium and to the point where people from the Palladium said nobody's ever done that in this theatre before, we had a, we had a lot of set sail out over the audience and i found a i found a, 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 a an installation artist uh online by accident called uh esther stocker is her name she's uh austrian i think or german and she does these amazing things in these rooms where she just uses gaffer tape on in white rooms and creates these kind of grids that are they're all yeah. done in false perspective so you think the rooms are bigger than they really are and you kind of and there's bits of gaffer tape that are kind of hanging from the ceiling down to the floor. So you kind of walk through and very, very setty, very visual. Yeah. Um, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it just, we kind of went round the houses to how to do the set. We went through two other ideas before we arrived at that one. Um, but when I cracked it and I cracked it because I'd seen this reference, it was one of those things. Again, I just looked at it and it, it was like, wow, that looks really impressive. And I, you know, even if I do say so myself, uh, <laughs> but it, it, I don't know if you, uh, you, if you're old enough to remember that the old Pearl and Dean uh, title sequence at the cinema, yeah. where you had the kind of the, the the rectangles and the squares kind of flying out towards you in a perspective, it looked like that. And we had a big screen at the back saying "Comet Relief," and you know, all the films were played in. But then you had these kind of perspective, uh, kind of shapes yeah. radiating from this one point and it was a set that i worked very closely with somebody who does a lot of cad uh computer visuals and uh computer yeah. design so i designed it in concept i designed a rough version uh you know with drawing it and then i handed it over to ben ben converted it into a, a sketchup file and cad files and then working very closely with the lighting directors again and working with riggers all of that software was was integrated into lighting software and the rigging software. So when it came to rig it, we basically, cause there was lots of grids hanging above other grids. And yeah. so when we, when we came to put it together, all the bonds that connected one frame to the next were all cut to the spec of the visual. 
everything had its place. Every bond was the right cut to the right size. So I when see. it was all rigged like a chain and it all went up on all the all the flies, there was only one frame that was slightly out. Everything fell exactly where it should and in perspective. Yeah. It was really, really impressive. And it was one of those things where you think, you know, just on my own with a pencil, because I'm quite old fashioned. I, I still draw at a drawing board with a pen and pen with a pencil and a ruler and a scale ruler. But it was one of those sets I thought, well, actually, without the technology, I couldn't have got my head around this. I had the idea. I I knew how it would work, and but it actually was the technology that made it happen. And yeah. um, yeah, I was really really pleased with that set. It was yeah, it was a proper yeah triumph. So yes, the short answer to your question, Jack, there hasn't is, been one yet. Yeah, there hasn't <laughs> been one yet. I do apologize. <laughs> I do apologize. But yes, intelligence, Jack, and the Comet Relief set of 2015. Good. They're the two Check. sets I'm happier with. Check. I'll just edit out all that other stuff you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't, of course. So you think that that set was like the perfect sort of combination of function and form, basically, yeah. like aesthetics and practicality. I imagine that must be, like you said earlier about the collaboration, like being the conduit, co collaborating with all the different departments. That probably yeah. must be the most satisfying thing because I see it a lot on set where everyone's got their own job as a standby i see it a lot everyone's got their own thing that they need to happen mm. so it must be really satisfying and i don't think i've ever experienced it where we all get what we want and it looks great do you know what i mean mm. because I, often i'll be waiting on the lighting or i'll be waiting on this and that and then and then they'll, they'll need something to be somewhere and i obviously can't have it there because it will be in shot and all this yeah kind of stuff. yeah it must be it must be quite satisfying to have it all come together well, I'm like a kid at Christmas, and I think that's I think that is why I think I'm still as excited about the job yeah. as I've ever been because I just want to see it in and up and looking lovely. And I think a lot of designers probably one one hopes would feel the same. I think yeah, you know, art department, you know, designers we're 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 a funny breed, you know, and I think we we do get very excited. It's the it's the kind of culmination of all your thought processes and uh, and, yeah. and seeing it there and all you want to do is just see it up and rigged and you can't wait you can't wait to see it all lit and you know one hopes people like it and say how lovely it is and you know that then is the icing on the cake but yeah just to see all your hard work there in a physical thing yeah. and people in, interacting with it and you know it it doesn't get better it really doesn't it's it, uh, you know and I'm I'm glad that I'm still excited yeah. by that. You know that. Yeah, that, no, I bet. You know, it's, it's a it's a big deal for me. It must be great to have, because a lot of people in their lives and in their jobs, they have things in their mind that they want to happen. Mm. And you know, you can practice posit positive visualization, all this kind of stuff. But your job must be really satisfying at times because you have a thing in your mind, you draw it, and then it's real. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people get that. Yeah, I think it's also the fact that you. You know, sometimes you kind of think, well, where was I when I came up with that idea? I think yeah. certain. I mean, I we did. Um, I'm just trying to think now on that on on that comet relief set. As I said, we went through two versions of the set before we arrived at that one, and that last version that became the real thing. It yeah. was. It started off as a sketch in a meeting, while we were talking about why the last idea didn't work. Um, oh. And it was literally a, almost a thumbnail sketch. And you think, oh, God, from that, we ended up with this, you know. And, yeah. we, and we turned it round in three weeks because in terms of, I think, three or four weeks because 
obviously my prep time, prep time isn't huge with telly. No. And, you know, I get on a comedy six, seven weeks prep, um, light entertainment, similar, sometimes less, you know. Yeah. So you, you, you do end up doing a bit of groundwork before you officially start. But we were already in well into prep on that comic relief when when the penny dropped. So then to produce it in, you know, maybe fifty percent of the the time it took if you'd had the idea at the start, yeah, was was incredibly satisfying. You know, sometimes that's the way it goes, though, isn't it? That like it, the, the creatively, like with all things creative, sometimes the restriction helps. Yeah creativity come totally. out i mean it, it, it sounds quite pretentious thing to say but it just is because a deadline is helpful and yes. in tv especially on the floor we're deadline based yeah well it for if yeah it <laughs> forces it forces your hand and also you've got to you know you have to go through the trudge to get to that place so those two yeah. other versions for for the reasons they didn't work mm -hmm. it led us to the point where we nailed it Without yeah. those other two versions, maybe we wouldn't have come up with the, the idea. You know, no, you, you put them we, out of your head, and they're, yeah. not, they're not blocking. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that. Like with writing or anything, if you even if you don't think it's the best idea, just get it down, get it out of your head. Otherwise, it's going to keep blocking all the other ideas. I mean, yeah, there might, might be nothing to it, but that's yeah. just how I anyway. I mean, on um, on um, Afterlife, just to sort of in, you know talk about very quickly another show. I yeah. mean that that house. The plan of the house went through several changes before we nailed yeah. it. I think I got up to about version six or seven of the layout of that until we cracked it. We we obviously had the exterior, so the, the effectively the front one wall had to be yeah. exactly the same. But once you stepped off across that threshold, it was then up to me as how that yeah. geography worked. But we went through several evolutions and before everybody was you know happy with it. Yeah. Um, each time getting bigger, bizarrely. Do you always stick to that as a rule with uh, an external location and then you build the set in a studio? Do you always, like, I'm sure you do, but do you always set, stick to honoring exactly what the geography is on that exterior? Yeah, I, do I, I do. And I think the thing, I think the thing with it, with Afterlife, what really helped us with that location, and it was Ricky who found the location because he, um, was it in walking distance of his it house? It was in walking distance of his house. What that what that house had, which was so brilliant, was that as you went through the front door, there was a um there was like three two and a half meters, and then there was a glass uh inner door, like a part. So it was kind of like a sort of like a porch, but it wasn't. But what, what yeah. that meant was that on location, with those doors being shut, and we put um some uh patterned frosting on the glass of that real location it meant that all i had uh -huh. to do in the studio was match that porch because beyond that door the world it, it was then our world because we whenever ricky was at the door in the in the real location the frosted door behind him was always closed so it was yeah. it was actually the perfect location because that little porch of two and a half meters enabled us to then create the world so yeah the bay window at the front or the, the window at the front is the same but everything else is sort of enhanced and there's a door in the kitchen that eludes to going to the garage because there's a garage next to the house in in the real location oh, okay, um but yeah. the garden out the back is obviously a complete fabrication and that was a nice thing to do because i built the garden in the studio through the through the windows and stuff so i'm a big fan of uh 
garden yeah, me too. Studios. Me I don't too. know why. Because it's, it's so strange, isn't it? Because you walk, because the thing I always do, I walk out there and my mind, you, you, you start to figure out that your brain does a lot of work yeah. without you realizing and it tricks you. I did it when we did uh, Call the Midwife. I worked on a, a couple of series of that and we used to do a lot of gardens sort of yeah. just for the back of shot kind of thing. But you'd go out there and you'd be like, hold on, yeah. because you're tired yeah. on a 12 hour day, your brain just makes up, makes, oh, yeah, yeah, it's real. Of course it's real. And that, I suppose that speaks to good art direction. Yeah, well, I think it. I, I think oddly, I think it's simply because a lot of us are frustrated gardeners, and we can't we can't be bothered to wait for things <laughs> yeah. to grow. Why don't we just get the plants in and just make it look yeah. like it's always been there? I think. Um, I mean, for yeah. me, that that window. Uh, any again, anybody listening who knows the show, there's a massive sliding glass window at the back of that set, um, and the it's got vertical blinds on it, and that's a. Uh, a visual metaphor for the character being trapped so that's a, an old thing but it's ah. prison wind prison prison bars it's you know it's a, uh, i see i've never made yeah that so that's well it's a film noir technique as well so the any any if you any character with yeah, vertical blinds it signifies a character is trapped um so beyond that then you know i wanted to have the garden so you never see it without the blinds on it it's always partially seen but it just helps yeah make it look more real and and i just wanted that i just wanted that freedom again it's the idea that the character you know the grass is always greener you know there's a there's metaphor in that as well so that's kind of why we did it but years ago i did um we mentioned bow selector we did a whole episode where the bear because i did a series called the bear which was a kind of follow-up series with with it like the interview he used to interview celebrities he did but he he had his own series on channel four called uh and um the bear and Patsy Kensick played his mum and uh, oh, right. yeah, played his dad. but we did a whole episode where the bear goes camping. So I built uh, in Pinewood, a whole uh, forest, you know, a foot 18 inches off the floor. So we could sit Lee in holes in various places. Press him yeah. in. We had the station wagon pull up on it and, Oh, that was a dream. It was a, just a joy. I lo- I'm with you. Yeah. I absolutely love doing gardens. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why yeah. I love it, but it's it's just a, it's cool. It makes me feel like I'm in the you know like when people are like oh it must be so cool to work in TV or whatever. But that's when it does oh, feel okay. cool when you're like oh yeah that's not okay. real. Oh, you touch something, you lean on something that you think is yeah. real, and then it's not, and you're like Jesus, I'm in the art department. I should know <laughs> that that's not real. But I get fooled by things all the time. I open a door and then I realize yeah, no, that's, that's not a real door. I am. Um, oddly, I've had a couple of uh, directors say to me they hadn't realized that the house in Afterlife was a fake. They 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 have just yeah. No, I yeah. didn't realize that. I thought I thought for the just made an assumption in my mind that for the budget of the show that you would have shot it in a real no, house. it was it was it was all built the yeah. the houses are built the offices are built and the oh, care right. home this time around is it yeah we yeah we what we did do actually a little clever trick we did on um on afterlife is the house is slightly wider than the real the real front um and yeah. you know we've all been there where you've got to take false walls out and that all takes time and so yeah. the house is uh i think it's a meter wider than it probably would be in reality um but if you yeah. ever look at any of the scenes shot in the living room you never see both sides you you only see into corners and that enabled yeah. us to get the camera within the set could operate with a com- with comfortable room but it meant that we yeah. didn't have to take the walls out yeah as a standby prop, I salute you for building <laughs> sets that are 
bigger than they have yeah. to be. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like than they were because the amount of my life I've spent being a removal man yeah. and oh god, no, we didn't do any walls. of that. We didn't do any of that, and we had um, yeah, we had a, a, a one floor that ran through the entire house. That was an idea of Ricky's. He wanted. He was very keen on. Um, he's he's a big fan of It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, the movie, oh, okay. oh, we all, but he's particularly, he well, particularly yeah. loves It's a Wonderful Life. And he pointed out to me that if you look at the floor in it, so it's it's the same floor in the in the living room, the hallway and the kitchen and blah, blah, blah. So there was a little homage to um, oh. to that. And also it just means that each space flows into the next. It's, you know, we all know this, but yeah, it just means space is flowing. Yeah. Um, actually, oddly, the one little detail I must tell you about that, and I'm very proud of this, and this is another thing I'm very proud of, um, is that It's a Wonderful Life, as we know, is a black and white movie. Um, mm -hmm. And when Ricky talked to me about it, we were wondering what we could do, and I tried to make it look as lived in as I possibly could. And then I found online um, a load of color renders of the stills from the film. Somebody, right. I think there is a color version of the. Uh, there's a color print of the film, so I think that's the first version I saw. Of yeah. It, so what I what I actually did was all the colors in Afterlife are the colors of uh, It's a Wonderful Life. We we the house the oh, house wow. colors are completely taken 100 percent from the color stills that I found. So yeah, there's a there's a very it's beyond subtle as a homage, but that's that's what yeah. we did. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nuance. Unless they listen to this, I don't think anyone would no, ever know. You no, know, but I, but I know, and you know, Jack, and the other, and yeah, the one other person listens to this podcast knows. <laughs> if we're lucky. lucky. Hello, everyone. Out on my uh, daily walk. Seems to be the windiest day of the year. So perhaps trying out my new recording technique on the run isn't, well, maybe I've not picked the best day for it anyway. So yeah, so you've just listened to pretty much an hour of me and Richard Drew talking and there's another hour. So what I decided to do was split the show up into two parts. Obviously you've just listened to part one and I will put out part two very soon so all that leaves is for me to ask you to subscribe to rate us to share us uh you know tell your friends if they're into to you know pretty much middle class white men talking about tv then uh, this is the show for them anyway have a good one and uh, yeah listen out for part two coming soon cheers